0: You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com.
2: Tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you. Brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at LuckyMojo.com. So now... Without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Well, welcome once again to the Now You Know Show, and what a fine and fun week we have had around here. I uh, had an excellent week this week. Uh, I was uh, lucky enough this week to uh, be honored to be uh not only on the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root workout this
3: week uh along with Conjaman Ali but also
2: uh, I was uh on Candelo's corner with Candelo Cambisa and Fiona Benjamin and Michael Carell and others and what a fine time we had
3: well I have to tell you though I have perhaps the funniest
2: story that has ever happened to me in all my years and before we get going with the show and go over to the newsroom and
3: all of that I want to share this story with you so gather up close to the radio kitties this is one hell of a tale and it is it is a blast and it i am still just so tickled about it and i want to share it with you it is perhaps one of the most unique and interesting things that has ever
2: happened to me so this week strangely enough i went out to uh Buy some supplies, engage in some purchasing of some things. And
3: I met up with this man who was selling
4: ravens. And now what happened was
2: we interrupted this broadcast to bring you a live news bulletin this is Chet Brink from the LMC Radio News Department with breaking news approximately 1 hour and 30 minutes ago LMC veteran radio newscaster Phil Patchy Fog was released from custody in Thunder Bay, Michigan, due to the efforts of the LMC Radio Defense Fund. He has since made his way to Lansing, Michigan, where he is ready to broadcast live on an ongoing situation there. We now turn you over live to Phil Patchy Fogg with this breaking news report, Wheat
4: or be Wheaton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is
5: Philip Fogg reporting for the LMC Radio newsroom. Approximately a month ago, this reporter began an investigative series on the addition of bread and bread products to meat being sold here In America's great heartland and in the northern Midwest. Through exhaustive research this reporter was able to find that the bread products were being added to finished meat and cattle products here in the northern Midwest at the behest of a clandestine and secret organization known as The Brotherhood of Wheat. I made my way to the Brotherhood of Wheat's headquarters in Thunder Bay, Michigan, to interview their leader, Carl Splittop Stewart, and see what he had to say about it. Mr. Stewart was not willing to speak with us or give us a statement. However, It has become apparent that corruption at the highest level is going on in Thunder Bay, Michigan. Having gained access to public records, this reporter has found that this clandestine organization has slowly been buying up interests in meat packaging and meat processing businesses here, not only in Michigan, but also Illinois and Kansas. To what ends do these secret people wish to control our meat products? It is unfortunately the duty of this reporter to report that their intentions are to add to our meat products bread. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, bread. In one test MC paid to have examined by a scientific team, we found that a single beef patty contained almost 60% bread. Why would this be done? It has come to my attention that it is the purpose of this organization to slowly trick the American. Product maker and product consumer into not buying meat, but instead to buy bread. Think of it, ladies and gentlemen. Imagine a hamburger patty on a bun that's little more than a bun on a bun. As I began to root into this situation, it came to light that they had control not only of the meat packing and meat processing. Industries, Thunder Bay, but also the police establishment there as well. Late one evening last week, my hotel room was entered by six police officers. They detained me without reading me my rights. They confiscated LMC radio newsroom materials, papers, recordings, photographs, and destroyed them. But let it be known that this reporter will not stop until this heinous story is brought to you in full. I would like in closing to thank the LMC Radio Defense League for helping me to obtain my freedom and swear to you right now that I will continue on this story until it reaches its inevitable conclusion. This has been
4: Philip Fogg
5: for LMC Radio.
2: Thank you, Philip Fogg. And we now return you to Professor Porterfield and the Now You Know Show. So I said, if you think for a heartbeat that
3: that's going to get me to read the entrails of a raven on the steps of the state house, you have got to be kidding.
2: So there you go, folks.
3: Be careful. Be careful with these people. They are always out there ready to take your money
1: and
3: <laughs> just dress up anything, stick black feathers on a pigeon. And tell you it's a raven. Well, we're going to go over to the LMC radio newsroom right now. Um, uh, in the newsroom tonight, and I believe that we can expect at some point in time a special news broadcast from our own Phil Patchy Fogg, who we found out just about an hour and a half ago uh, was released from a jail there in Thunder Bay. And we're hoping that we – what, Johnny? They What they already broke in, they they and you just let me go. You didn't flip the uh huh, you couldn't uh, hit the light to let uh huh. So the Raven's door, it just went no uh huh. Okay, Phil sounded he sounded serious, did he? Uh huh. Good, great, good, good work, Johnny. Um,
2: anyway, <clears throat> um, now we uh
3: take you over to our on Wink Winkerson in uh, the
4: LMC Radio Newsroom. Good evening. This is Wink Winkerson reporting for the LMC Radio
6: Network. Today is Thursday, September seventeenth, the two thousand two hundred and sixtieth day of two thousand and fifteen. There are six days left until autumn begins, and 105 days left in the year. Today is Constitution Day, as well as Citizenship Day. Today is an auspicious day to begin a diet to gain weight, breed animals, plant above-ground crops, and slaughter livestock. Tomorrow will be an auspicious day to breed animals, plant above-ground crops, and slaughter livestock as well. Today's highlight in history comes to us from 1787, when on this date, the Constitution of the United States was completed and signed by a majority of delegates attending the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia. Also on this date, in 1937, the likeness of President Abraham Lincoln's head was dedicated at Mount Rushmore. In 1955, Tennessee Ernie Ford, a favorite of the LMC radio network, recorded 16 tons by Merle Travis for Capitol Records in Hollywood. In 1978, after meeting at Kent David, Israeli Prime Minister Menachem Begum and Egyptian President Anwar Sadat signed a framework for a peace treaty. In 1994, Heather Whitestone of Alabama was crowned the first deaf Miss America. In 2011, a demonstration calling itself Occupy Wall Street began in New York, prompting similar protests around the U.S. and the world. Today's LMC Radio birthday greetings go out to actor David Huddleston, who is 85, singer Lamont Malemar, who of the Fifth Dimension, who is 80, singer... C. Waybill is 65. Actress Cassandra Peterson, better known as Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, is 64. Comedian Rita Rudder is 62. Singer Bebe Winans is 53. Actor Kyle Chandler, 50. Raptor, rapper Doug E. Fresh, 49. Actor Malik Yoba, 48. Actor Matthew Settle, 46. Rapper Vinny of Naughty by Nature is 45. Actor Felix Solist, 44. Rhythm and Blues singer Marcus Sanders of High Five is also 42 today. And finally, actress Danielle Brooks of TV's Orange is the New Black is 26. Our thought of the day comes from Roman scholar Cicero, born... 106 B.C. died 43 B.C., who said we must not say every mistake is a foolish one. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Numbers. Lucky
7: Numbers. Dreaming of lucky numbers Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. Will show for me Numbers only show for you and me Superstitious Or even make me suspicious Able with thirteen dishes Issues me May you please Haven't Hey, that's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man, well, open it. Put my trust in group for dust Cause you you eleven or oh, maybe a lucky eleven oh, you you never lucky number for me,
2: yeah. oh yes, and you need not just to put your trust in Goofer Dust or in Johnny
3: to tell you that you've been interrupted by a live broadcast. Because we have the lucky numbers for you here. That's right. And this week's lucky numbers come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and give it a look? And they are sixteen, twenty-two, twenty-five, thirty-eight, and fifty. Once again, those lucky numbers this week are six, nineteen. Twenty-two, twenty-five, thirty-eight, and fifty. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are three-one-three. That's three hundred 532, 532. and thirteen. Five-three-two. That's five hundred and thirty-two. And six-seven-two. That's six hundred and 72. This week's card of the week is the two of clubs, a handshake. A partner brings work, trust, honesty, or a team. This is an excellent week to begin one-to-one partnerships, make agreements, and enter into contracts. Be sure to do all in honesty and openness this week. This week, you will also find yourself benefited by team effort over individual effort, but be careful to follow through on any new work that is brought to you. Remember, our week runs Thursday, Thursday, and if you hit, remember where you get. So check in on the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next the professor's pontification. Tonight it's going to be something a little different. We're going to call it Little Old Wine Drinker Me, or You Have to Push Back, Pusher Man.
2: Well, well, welcome to the professor's pontification. We have a kind of a slow
3: chat room
2: this uh, this week.
3: Not a lot of people listening. People must be busy doing something else, watching the football or something. And it's a shame because this is going to be a hot one. Maybe they heard what I was going to talk about, and they decided to not draw near. But what we're going to talk about tonight, Cation, our topic is the little wine drinker me, or you've got to push back against the pusher man. And tonight, I'm going to talk about a rather rarefied topic something you may not have expected me to discuss. And so before I do, I want to
4: very carefully say a few things. I want to very carefully
3: say that I am in no way a teetotaler. I am not here to come down on anyone. I am not making judgment values against people's lives, how they live their lives, what they do with their lives, recreationally or otherwise. I'm not here to promote some sort of abstinence platform or anything like that. So please keep that in mind. What I am here to do is to hopefully deliver a needed warning. Now, what is that warning? We have talked a bit about this idea of going into a magical profession. In particular, on this show, about becoming a practitioner of hoodoo, becoming a root worker, becoming a conjure doctor. And we've talked about some of the trials and some of the struggles, some of the pitfalls. Of that as well as some of the foibles of various people who come in at that. We've talked a little bit in the past about disingenuous character of some individuals and hopefully we threaded our way through the little eye of the needle to giving good advice to you. So here's another piece of it.
4: There is
3: a fascination in magical communities and in magical circles that has to do with achieving an altered state of mentality, an altered state of being through the use of drugs and alcohol. It's
4: not a news story. In fact,
3: it's a very old story. And I'm not here to say that there are not appropriate means for doing that within a cultural framework. You're not going to hear me tonight go on some long-ass rant against the peyote cult. Okay? That's not going to happen. What I am going to say is that one of the pitfalls in our magical community is people start to use substances, alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, the list goes on and on and on. First to achieve release and relief from what they perceive as the strains and stresses of being a
4: magical or spiritual worker. You know, at the end of the day, with six or seven or ten
3: or twenty clients, and all of that, and all of those people's needs, and all those people's wants, and all those people's troubles, and they say, now it's time for a drink. Now it's time for a drink. Now I've dealt with the clients and I've finished making the mojo bags and I've finished lighting the candles and now I deserve a drink. Yes, sir. You're going to get me a drink to wind down from all the stress of having this magical business that I do. Well, here's my advice to each and every one of you, right here, right now. And make no mistake, I'm about to make more enemies than you can shake a stick at. My advice is this.
4: Stop. For the love of God, stop. For the love of yourself, stop. Don't stop
6: tomorrow. Don't stop next week. Stop right now. First of all, if you need to have you a little drinky-dinky
3: at the end of the day because magical work is oh so hard and these people are oh so stressful, get the fuck out. Let me say this to you again. Get the fuck out. I didn't mean that as in get the fuck out. I don't want you around. I didn't mean that as in get the fuck out. You don't deserve
4: to be here. I meant that as in save yourself. Get out. Stop. I'm begging you. Consider this your interactive, live, radio inter fucking Get out. That's stressful. And particularly if you did something before in your life, you worked in an
3: office, you were a craftsperson, you were a legal assistant, I don't give a shit, whatever the fuck it was you did, and that job didn't do this to you, then get out get out the job's killing you for f- sake. Get away from the clients get away from setting the lights get away from making the powders and the ointments and the lotions and the potions and the oils and the mojo bags and everything the hell else Get out because if it is so bad if it is so terrible that need hear what I just said need. And don't disguise it to yourself. Don't 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 chuckle up your own sleeve about it. Need. Not want. Not want. Not well, you know, today I think I'll have a drink. Didn't have a drink yesterday. Not gonna have a drink tomorrow. Don't drink every day. But tonight I want a little drink. I'm gonna have pasta, want a little wine with it. I'm gonna have this cheese, want a little white wine with that. I'm gonna have a little foot go out and have a birthday party with my friend. I'm gonna have a little drink. Not talking about that. I'm talking about end of the day. Glub glub glub. End of the day time to open the bottle, end of the day, the work is that pressuring to you. You need to leave it behind at once. And then you need to address your growing alcoholism. Now, why did I not put that in the other order? Why didn't I say, stop drinking and keep doing the work? Because you have failed to gather something about the work. I don't know what it is, but you're in jeopardy. I'm warning you, you're in fucking jeopardy. Something
4: about this work is depleting you, okay,
3: particularly particularly if before you became a spiritual worker, you're a spiritual worker part time and the rest of the time you do a regular job or if you came out of a regular job, and I don't give a shit what it was, okay bookkeeping, uh, 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 pamphlet publishing, grocery store, I don't care. And at the end of the day there, <clears throat> you didn't need a drink. You didn't end each day with
5: a little old
2: wine, drinking, me.
3: You didn't end it with that. Then you have brushed up against something here in your spiritual work that you have failed to address. Something is depleting you. Something is draining you. Something is pressing on you. Maybe you've come up against a spirit that you helped somebody else stop drinking, and now it's on you. I don't know. But somewhere there has been a dip in road, and you have fallen face first into it. And so first you need to get away from the work until you can come back and address that in strength and in wisdom, and then you need to stop drinking. Now – that being said, if you used to have a quote-unquote regular job or if you're still working a regular job while you're doing your spiritual work and you end every goddamn day saying, well, man, I need a drink. End of the day, I need a drink. End of the day, I need a drink. Then, no, don't quit your job. Go to AA. Because it's not a spiritual thing that's going on here. You're an alcoholic. Now, right now, can we hear people tuning out? I can hear them. Can you all hear them? I can hear them. I can hear people turning this show off right now. I can hear people right now who are already on their sixth glass saying, who the
5: fuck is he?
2: Say, Bologna kickies, okay? Seriously.
3: Time to stop. Am I talking solely about liquor, wine, beer? No. If you have to end every day with a joint, it's the same process. The same goddamn thing. I don't care how organic it is and it comes from the earth and it's natural leaf. I don't even care if I agree with you that it's organic and it comes from the... I don't give a shit. Because you're using it every fucking day. Okay? Goddamn day. You're using it as a crutch. And here's part of the problem. When we go out, set ourselves up, or are set up by our ancestors, our spirits, those who initiate us, whoever, to become a spiritual worker, we have to acknowledge that whether we like it or not, there is a responsibility upon us to be strong. That doesn't mean you can't ever be weak. That doesn't mean you can't ever have problems. That doesn't mean you're impervious. That doesn't mean, you know, you're two great feet of marble in a desert, you know, a one saws- No, that doesn't mean any of that. But what it does mean is that you have a responsibility to engage in a certain level of uprightness.
4: And if you are
3: tempering, dealing with, paying off, coping with your spiritual practice – By having, and don't kid yourself, having to take a drink, smoke a joint, do a line of coke, whatever, then you're not really doing it. You're burning yourself up. And I don't mean you're burning yourself up by the substance abuse, which you are. I mean you're burning yourself up from the spiritual practice. And you're sending a really ugly goddamn message to your students, to your
4: followers, to your clients, to your friends, to everybody. The message you're sending
3: them is: a, hey, this is a, this is okie dokie, okie smokie Well, yeah, this is the way it is.
4: You know, it's no problem.
3: It's okay. The message you're sending them is that apparently this is part
4: and parcel of a spiritualist. Life, that three hours out of every four hours or five hours, however long your
3: evening lasts, you're drunk or stoned, bombed out of your head. And let me stop this again and tell you once again, I'm not telling you don't smoke marijuana, don't drink. I'm not telling you that. I'm talking about how and why. And it creeps in. Once upon a show time on this show, I taught taught you and talked about sexual impropriety inside the community and how terrible that is. I have spoken on the manipulation and abuse of people who have mental illness and how terrible and wrong that is. Well, this is where those two meet. Here we're talking about self abuse of the worker and exploitation. Of substance abuse. And it's a serious, goddamn problem. I'm telling you right now, I have fewer people in the chat room right now than I have ever had since the show started. This is the smallest audience I've ever had. I guarantee you that I'm going to get letters, hate mail, the evil eye shade thrown at me from what I'm saying right now. Of all that it's been, 40 plus, 45 weeks plus a Christmas show, other good times, and I'm telling you right now, this is the damn issue that's going to cause hue and cry. Why? Because there's not a goddamn addict alive who thinks That they're not in control. I got it. I'm fine. I don't need the booze. I don't need the joint. I don't need the spike in my arm. I'm in charge. I know what I'm doing. And who the fuck are you to get on your high horse and tell me what for? How dare you judge me? As as a bunch of other people that are going to be whispering,
6: laughing, saying, oh, you know, he's talking about so-and-so. Oh, you know, he's talking about so-and-so. No,
3: I ain't talking about any one goddamn person. If I was talking about one goddamn person, if I was talking about one goddamn person, I'd name them. I'm not talking about one goddamn person. And
4: this spreads. Okay? Then we have workers who live this way for so long that when they get together with other workers,
3: well, everybody's got the same problem. Bob gets together with Ted gets together with Susan, gets together with Carol, gets
4: together with Mary, gets together with Kim, and they all do this. So what do they do when they get together? They do it together. They get drunk together. I'm again not talking about you went out on a night with your friends. You wanna to go to the bar
8: with your friends on a Friday night, Saturday night, when the fuck ever? Dude be my I have been in many a goddamn honky tonk. Okay? I have been in
3: many a goddamn bar. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about let's come together and talk about spiritual things. Let's come together and discuss clients. Let's come together and talk about what we're going to do for our spiritual practice, for the proliferation of our art, of our craft, of our community. Let's come together and put together study plans. Let's come together and and think about classes we want to teach. Let's come together and address serious spiritual matter that I alone can't deal with. That's why I brought you, my friends, in on it. But before we do any of that, let's have six or seven drinky dinks. Are you fucking shitting me? Spiritual work to engage in planning, community building, teaching sharing of information, and before you did that, the way you all grounded and centered, the way you all cleared your head, the way you all came to the Holy Ghost fire, the way you all accessed uh, accessed the ancestors, the way you all foretelled to see what divining aspect or auspicious or inauspicious energy was upon the
4: meeting was you had a goddamn six or seven drink. You're going to clean. You're gonna spiritually clean somebody? I wouldn't trust you to clean your own goddamn
3: bathroom once you're drunk.
4: You're going to make a nation sack for somebody? I wouldn't trust you to make a sack once you're drunk. And then it spreads. Now,
3: because it's been at the end of the day, you in control. You wait till the end of the day. You're a quote functional alcoholic, functional drug abuser. Slowly you start slipping over the line. Well, I'll have a little drink for the last client. Well, I'll have a little drink for the second to the last client. Pretty soon you're on the goddamn horn with people giving them readings of whatever kind, giving them advice trying to help them up with their problems while you're a little intoxicated. What's the next step? Now you're doing it a little more intoxicated. Where does it end? It ends with you giving somebody divinational advice, a reading and consultation, bombed on booze, on pot, on whatever pitfall. So what I'm telling you again is if this was you before you got into spiritual practice, stop. Go to AA. Go to whatever. I don't care. Get help. Talk to somebody. If this is you only after you started a spiritual practice, stop your spiritual practice and then find out why this is going on and stop the behavior. Now, There's a further step. The further step in this nasty little room that we're in is then there's all this kind of gadfly behavior about you have to. If you really want to see the spirits, you've got to take peyote. You've got to go down to South America and drink this vile concoction that makes you throw up the singing vine, the vine sings, and once you drink it, then you'll see the jaguar will
2: come out of the forest, and he will stand before you, and lead you to the great falls, the waterfalls of the
3: ancient ones, and there you will be given your power symbols, and you will need to continue. No, 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 Okay, well, if you're gonna go see the devil first, you got to get liquored up on
4: whiskey. There's a conjure one, and the answer is still no. Think about that advice for a minute before you go down to the graveyard to meet the devil, you should get liquored up on whiskey are you are, are, what so to go
3: see the devil at the crossroads i I should go drunk that That's a good plan that sounds like a smart idea i'm gonna get I'm gonna get my best deal possible. You know, because obviously, obviously, if I am going to go to the bank and try to get a lower interest rate on my fucking mortgage, I want to go in there tanked up because those guys are my friends. You bet. What could
6: what could go wrong? What could go wrong? Now, right about now, somebody's saying, he sounds like he's a teetotaler. Somebody else is saying,
3: oh, he's risk averse." Somebody else is saying, he doesn't have cultural appreciation for different cultures. I have a huge amount of cultural appreciation. I am not risk averse, and I am not a teetotaler. I am saying to you that the further problem on this topic is that people start saying, to have real magical power, you have to ingest whatever. And I'm not talking about we made some sort of punch up here, you know, something there's a thing that we brew all day and it's for the initiate. I don't mean that. I mean, you've got to take this drug before you, you know, come on, man, you know, we're all going to be out in the desert, man, and we're all going to be like, you know, dressing like Indians and
5: living like Indians
3: and talking like Indians and doing all that beautiful stuff. So, man, you'd be a real downer if you didn't take this peyote with us, man. Didn't take this mescaline. How are you going to see the mescalo if you don't take the mescaline? How's the little green man going to come if you don't take them? And, man, it's good shit, man. I got this from a guy in in Idaho, man. He grows it in his his brother-in-law's basement, man. I mean, come on.
4: Thus way lays madness. We talked about this before. We talked about the ooky spooky,
3: nitty gritty, okay, not so pretty. This is another part of nitty gritty not so pretty. You gotta get tanked up. You gotta you gotta you gotta get stoned. You gotta get drugged up. You gotta put this spike in your arm. You gotta do all this man to really you know man to really get out there and see, man, what's going on, man you got you got to do this. This actually, believe it or not, has a component in sexual abuse. <clears throat> yeah, oh yeah, it does. Actually. You have to sleep with the high priestess. You have to get fucked by the high priest. You have to let take your panties down for me because otherwise you're not going to be able to understand the Hieros Gamos. You're not going to be able to understand the great joining, you're not going to be able to help, you know, you're not going to be able to get into the power of the Holy Ghost, or you don't trust me, you have to show me trust. Same goddamn fucking argument, and what it is, is a bunch of people with power trying to get you to do a bunch of bullshit so they have still more power over you, and they get their chuckles. Now, am I saying that there's no cultural place for this?
4: No, I didn't
1: say that.
3: There are. But you have to be a part of that culture. You have to participate in it. You can't just get on a fucking airplane because you know a guy who's got a great conversion rate on American dollars, fly down to fucking South America and play some shady asshole in a, a, a straw hat, a bunch of fucking greenbacks to trek you out with a machete to go to some old man sitting in the middle of nowhere – to drink this stuff so you can see jaguars. I mean, you can. You can totally do that. In fact, you can book fucking like vacation package tours to do that. Nowadays is how ridiculous it is. Okay? But what I'm saying is, if you don't understand that, quote, old man, if you don't understand where he's coming from, if you don't understand the fucking jaguar and the significance of the stuff you're drinking and all of that... Well, you're just a fucking stoner on vacation. Tell the fuck you are. You're not not trying to find any spiritual insight. How much spiritual insight would you find if I stuck a spike in your arm and pumped you full of fucking heroin? You're just looking to get away from yourself. You're just looking to be tripped out. So go get tripped out, but don't tell me it's fucking magic. I don't care how many jaguars you see. If you want to go out to the Sonoran Desert and start picking up frogs and licking them, okay, oh, by the way, it's Bufo Alaveras. There's at least one person in the chat room who right now has a hand over their heart, loving me that I know proper taxometry on that. And you want to do that and lick all these frogs. So you can see the frog god or what the fuck ever turn into a crow and fly away to the central pyramid in Mexico City. That's your business.
4: You're just a frog licker, man. If you want to experience this stuff, you need to do so
3: within the cultural framework and here more than ever. A lot of people get hot and bothered about this. Well, the cultural framework, well, it's for everybody. Well, it, you know, this thing and the other thing. No, I'm telling you right here, right now. If you are going to ingest psychedelic or other substances to achieve some kind of spiritual revelation, you are doing so within the context of a culture. And if you are not participating in that culture, welcomedly, welcomedly, meaning they asked you to come in, okay, you didn't barge your way in, you didn't pay your way in, you are truly participating, then you're, again, just a stoner on vacation. That's, That's just it. You're just a stoner on vacation. All right? And this happens the great and the powerful before you have been brought low by this dear little Uncle Alistair died
4: of the fucking shakes in his bed rubbing his fucking arms. It happens. Okay, you may
3: respect the shit out of Timothy Leary. Hell, I may respect the shit out of Timothy Leary. But by the end, it kind of got hard to follow what the fucking sentence that old Tim was making
4: was. This has happened before to your elders and to your betters. Your spiritual enlightenment
3: does not make heroin less addictive. Your magical path
4: does not make alcohol less addictive.
3: Again am I saying don't you ever a hit.
2: Don't you ever smoke
3: some boo. Oh I oh did I just did I just date myself? Did I just I'm sorry. Did I just date myself by calling it boo? Sorry. I'm not saying don't ever take a drink. I'm not saying any of it. I'm saying be careful. We've already talked about you using this as a crutch which is a separate kind of conversation, and hopefully I covered that for you. Now we're talking about it as you using it as a supposed tool. It's a tool. It's a tool. Okay, first of all, be careful that the tool doesn't become the crutch. Be real goddamn careful of that. Second of all, be careful where you get the tool from. Third of all, what is the cost of the tool? Every tool has a cost. A, you have to buy it. B, you have to use it. This happens every year in the Northeast. It snows. Nice, thick, beautiful snow. And all these guys about my age who still think they're in the same condition when they used to play high school football decide that they can go out and clear their own driveways and clear their own walkways because they have a snow
4: shovel. They have the tool. And it's
8: basically heart attack season.
4: A lot of them die too
3: because roads are very icy and ambulances can't get to them in time. It happens every year. Go look up the statistics on it. I'm not making that fuck up because all these men think they're in great shape. I'm fine. And they have, they have the tool, the snow shovel. Snow shovel is designed to shovel snow i can go clear my pathway i can go clear my driveway down they go with heart attacks because the cost of the tool in this case is the strength to use the tool and they don't have that and so the cost they end up paying is heart attack if it's true of a goddamn snow shovel do you think it's not true Of some sort of vial of uh, hallucinogenics that have been mixed up by some third-rate chemistry major in his fucking garage? You you think you're going to be fine? Oh, yeah, I got that. And again, I'm not risk-averse. That's not what this is. This isn't a fear thing, nor is this an abstinence thing. This is a smarts
4: thing. How the fuck did you lose your goddamn way? And it is a problem. Now, I'm going to admit to you that it's less
3: of a problem in the general hoodoo conjure root work community. We don't have a lot of problems with people getting tripped out and thinking they're birds and you know, jumping off of shit and talking about this, that, the other. You know, we don't have a lot of that. What we do have is a lot of alcoholism. We have a lot of alcoholism. It's a real goddamn problem. And I know workers,
4: good workers, good workers, I'm not talking about half-ass workers, I'm not talking about guys who are making it up, I'm not talking about frauds, I mean good workers, traditional workers, who
3: are fucking useless now because they're drunks, man. I mean drunks. You know what I'm saying? It's real. You don't have to look far. And again, I'm not talking about the casual drinker, the social drinker, the guy that has a beer with his hamburger. I'm not talking about that. I mean, I'm talking about good old-fashioned, dyed-in-the-goddamn-wool alcoholism. I mean people that if they stopped drinking would see snakes and shit. Alcoholism. Okay? You dig what I'm trying to lay down here for you?
8: Well, it sounds to me like you're preaching. Fuck you. I'm not preaching. What I am doing is
3: trying to speak earnestly. Because I'm begging to make no mistake. Tonight, you hear Professor Porterfield beg. Please, baby, stop. Darlings, stop. Stop doing this to yourself. Stop. You're shining. You have such gifts. Please stop. Stop for any reason. I don't even care if it's a bad reason. I don't care, well, the Cowboys lost, so I have to stop drinking. That's fine. Just stop.
4: Now, that I've said that
3: as earnestly as I can, as meaningfully as I can. Now it's going to get a little ugly. So hold on to your hats. I want you to listen to me right now. Because this show is not just for workers. It's also for people who go to workers. It's for people who are just interested. If you are going to a worker, and that worker, it becomes obvious to you that that worker is drunk, that that worker is stoned while they're working for you, while they're dealing with you, you know, while you're sitting across the table from them, while you're on the phone with them, the emails on Skype, however, people are communicating these days. And that's become
4: something that you are aware of going to that worker. You need to stop going to that worker.
3: Now, for the record, earlier I said that I was making some enemies here. And right now, with what I just said, you can be sure that somebody right now is winding a noose from my ass. But I could not say anything else. I had to. It is absolutely imperative that it be said. You must stop. Because first of all, you are putting your spiritual well-being, your spiritual matters, your aid, your help, your need for love, prosperity, luck. The removal of a jinx, placing of a curse, whatever it is that you're having done in the hands of someone who is experiencing impaired judgment. So if you will get in the passenger seat with someone who is drunk and let them drive you someplace and you're perfectly okay with that, okay, go the fuck ahead. Keep going to that worker because that's what you're doing, and apparently you're so not risk-averse that you have a death wish and be my fucking guest. But if you would not get into a car, person under the influence of fill-in-the-blank, then do not have them do your magical and spiritual work for you because you're still getting in a car. With someone under the influence who has impaired fucking judgment. Do you really want someone who's in a chemically altered state to be the person to uh, do that curse work for you
8: in your name?
3: Is that really what you want to do?
8: Really? Really? Wow. Wow.
3: Do you ever hope to go run with the bulls, too? I'm deadly, deadly fucking serious right now. Am I saying that there are not appropriate altered states, spiritually altered states that are brought on through a variety of things, uh, limited possession, full possession, uh, drum, rhythmic thing, uh, uh, pilgrimage, Uh, Oh, fasting—you name it. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that this is someone who is taking a substance to not get into a particular place. They're just taking the substance. They're just, you know, it's been a hard day. It's time to get take a drink. You know, it's been a hard day. It's time to smoke a joint. You know, I I, I'm hooked on heroin, so I got to take heroin. You know, I got a whole lot of work to do tonight, and I'm really sleepy, so I'm going to do a line of blow. That you're now trusting to do your spiritual work. You're going to have somebody do a spell for you that involves pins and needles, and you want the hand that's holding the pins and needles
4: for work for you, for you to be shaking under the influence of cocaine. Really? Wow. You're you're special.
3: You're you're kind of living vicariously here, aren't you? I mean, that's kind of oh, okay. Write me a long letter from the mortuary about how it goes. I'm dead serious. If you become aware that your spiritual worker is dealing with you. He's dealing with you. I'm not talking about later. I'm not saying, oh, I, you know, I go and see uh, 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 Papa Johnny, and I saw Papa Johnny in a bar, and he was sitting with some friends, and they were drinking some beers. Oh, fuck Papa Johnny. That's not what I said.
4: That's not the fuck what I said.
3: What I said is if you become aware that while you're talking to Papa Johnny face-to-face and he's doing a reading or work for you or, God forbid, a spiritual bath or bathing or a head wash or a foot wash or if you're talking to Papa Johnny on the phone and he's doing a reading for you or a consultation for you or you're getting emails from Papa Johnny that make no fucking sense because he's fucking bombed when he's writing them, you need to
4: stop going to Papa Johnny for fucking work. That's the fuck what I said.
3: You want to twist it into something else? You go twist it into something else. And baby, I am 100% sure of every goddamn personification I have ever given on this damn show. This one's gonna get twisted around. So remember, you can send those emails to Prof Porterfield. That's Prof P-R-O-F Prof Porterfield at gmail dot com or Drop me a PM in Facebook, either on my Professor Porterfield page or my regular handy-dandy Charles Porterfield page, and let me know
4: all about it. Because I stand by everything I have said today. Every word of it. This is
3: a long-term long before me, long
6: before my
3: parents' age, long before my grandparents' age problem, and it's going to be a long problem, long after me, long after my sons, long after my grandchildren. But by God, I am not going to be complicitous in it. I am not going to Sherpa being a pusher for you what I am going to do is call out the pusher Our netting claimant winner on that one was again Catherine Ironwood because you know she was there. She was there. And I got to tell y'all, folks, no matter no matter what Paul may say in the New Testament, uh, there's a little different meaning for some of us about it. And I am a natural man. And that is just, well, my little signal for the evening.
6: What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all! The LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard.
0: LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sunday, 3 to 4.30. Candela's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa, Monday, 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesday, 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesday, 6 to 7. Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Wednesday 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursday 6 to 7.30. And On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand, Saturdays noon to 3. All time specific at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at luckymojo.com.
2: Thank you, Troll Towelhead, Chief Engineer here at
3: the LMC Radio Network for that ever-present update of our shows each
2: and every week.
3: However, I have an announcement to all you LMC fans. Get ready. Changes are coming. That's right. Very soon, LMC Radio is going to be proud to announce changes to our lineup, to days, to times, and to hours. So stay ready for that because it's gonna be fun right now we'd like to take you across the hall to our own miss loretta evans of the quimby first and second baptist church who has a few words to say to you
4: from our sponsor the lucky mojo curio company take it away miss evans
8: Hello, all. This is Miss Red Evans here to talk to you about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, oh, bless their hearts, including occult oils. Incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. Those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Why not come on by and see them at 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. You can bring your little ones with. They sure would like it. They have a beautiful train set there that Miss Cat has worked for hours and hours on. It is so beautiful. I've only gotten to see the pictures of it, but I hope to see it someday up close. And then after you've done that, you can go take a few minutes of prayer and quiet meditation in the world's smallest church. That's the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church right there on location at Lucky Mojo. And afterwards, you can walk into the store and just spend hours and hours going all through the aisles, looking at the thousands of Different items that they have from all over the world. So, won't you please stop by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California? And if you can't get out to see them, oh, darling. Don't be, don't don't worry, because they're online. That's right. You can go over on your computer to www.luckymojo.com and look through all the beautiful products they have, and they are just so gorgeous. Oh, bless their hearts. They do such a hard work at making these things. So once again, that's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, and luckymojo.com online and sent you. Bye-bye.
4: All right. Well, thank you, Miss Loretta.
3: We're so happy to always have you here with us and talk to us uh, about anything. You do such an excellent job on the show each and every week. Up next, a little segment I like to call
5: Secrets of Scripture.
3: That's right, The Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. This week, we're going to be talking about spiritual baths. And don't worry, don't worry. If you don't have a tub, if you don't have a bucket, if you don't have a shower, that's okay. Because we're going to be here to take you down by the river.
9: You know, there are songs we sang years ago. That when you sing them now, the charismatics challenge us. And so you have no scripture for that song. Your song is not scripturally sound. But many of the songs that our forefathers sang were not based upon scripture. It was based out of experience. They experienced things and they went through things. And sometimes in the fields, I'm told, because I'm not that old,
7: that that was a the way
9: they would signal one another. Tell them how to meet each other at different places, how things could go for them. I just need to hear that in my ears that I could kind of get it.
7: Sometimes, after they
9: worked all day, they wanted to just meet together and have prayer. They would just tell each other, let's go down by the river.
7: Let's go down.
3: Brown, who is the senior pastor and presiding prelate of Faith Tabernacle Deliverance Temple.
2: Oh, yes, he is. He's originally from Savannah, Georgia,
3: and that was him and all the other good people with him doing down by the river. And it leads us into tonight's secrets of scriptural sorcery. And tonight we're going to be talking about spiritual bathing. That's right. We're going to be talking about spiritual bathing.
4: So, let's get into this. Now, there is abiding, integral,
2: historic, unquestionable, existence of spiritual bathing
3: in hoodoo, root work, and conjure, no matter what form it may take, whether this is a full bathing, where the whole body is bathed, whether the head or the mold of the head is simply bathed, or whether the feet are bathed, the foot washing
2: takes place. Now, this does have
3: memory and remnant from African practices. There is no question of that. It also has direct influence from Christian practice. Now, you'll notice that I did not say Protestant
4: or Catholic. I simply said Christian. Without question, in fact you'd have to be a little kind to say
3: otherwise, that influence comes into Christianity from Christianity's parent spiritual and religious
2: practice, Judaism.
4: Which winds that thread all the way back, so what we've got here is like, a dowsing rod. It's got a Y on the end, two different paths, but at the end of the
3: day they still joined to one stick, if you follow my meaning. Now, bathing and washing is spoken of quite a bit in the Bible. Relatively ordinary bathing, to simply clean oneself. Is spoken about in Exodus, where we have uh, Pharaoh's daughter and her handmaidens bathing in the Nile. We have Bathsheba bathing on the housetop in 2 Samuel. We have even the idea that one's complexion can be made better by bathing in royal blood in 1 Kings. We also see the washing of feet mentioned in Genesis, many places, Genesis 24, Genesis 43, Judges, Samuel, 2 Samuel, and Psalms. We see mentioning of the bathing of the body for refreshment, bathing of the body for cleanliness. But there are mentions in all of this of the religious sense or religious aspect
2: of bathing, as well as that of bodily refreshment
3: and general cleansing. And this seems to have entered into, or these two ideas meet, This idea of bodily refreshment, cleansing, and spiritual cleansing we see enter into together in the washing of hands before meals, which you see in Genesis 18, Genesis 19, and in Luke 7. And so for a moment, I want you to stop. Before we get off into all this heavy stuff about, you know, all the big spiritual cleaning thing and you got to have the candles and the thing. I want you to just think about the simplest act here is not the washing of feet. The simplest, quote unquote, spiritual bathing is the washing of your hands before you eat. Most of us in the modern world, in the present day, we think of that as just, well, it's absolutely sensible. Why would you not? Your hands are dirty. You're going to touch food. You're going to put food in your mouth. Okay. You're going to lead contagion,
4: etc. You're going to have whatever on your hands now on your food. So we see it as sensible. Except we're being silly and we're
3: forgetting something. We in the modern world, although we do often eat with our hands certain kinds of food,
4: hamburger french fries, fried chicken, pizza, primarily eat with utensils. Think about that for a minute. We eat with utensils. So at the end of the
3: day, although it obviously makes sense to get rid of the germ, you are not washing your hands to eat. You're going to pick up a fork or a spoon or a knife. Whatever's on your hands is not going to get on your fork or your spoon or your knife unless you're touching the end of it. And most of us don't. The tradition of washing your hands before eating goes back to biblical times. goes back to Judaic people who to this day have highly ritualized little pieces of prayer and action to wash hands before you break bread. Before you make prayer over bread, before you do this, before that, you do that, you wash your hands. Is there a cleanliness aspect? Is there a refreshment of the body here? Absolutely. But there is also a spiritual aspect to this. In fact, highly observant Jews wash their hands first thing in the morning, meaning when they awake, they wash their hands before they wash their face before they brush their teeth they wash their hands okay and again this are for spiritual reasons as well as perceived cleanliness issues
4: now we know
3: that there were bathing resorts that where streams and ponds were available they were usually turned into bathing resorts we see this in exodus 2 and in Second Kings. But the water supply in large cities, stored up in great pools or large cisterns, was made available at times to some degree for bathing. Again, you can look at Second Samuel about that. So now we know that bathing also has a social aspect as well. There, at some point in time, became Greek influences uh, into the area, and we end up with gymnasium, places of exercise. You can look at First Maccabees for this. And again, the bathhouse is a part of this. But then we also have bathing for health. John 5, 2-7 to gives us an example of bathing for health. And there are remains of ancient baths in the Middle East and throughout the quote-unquote Holy Land. Uh, East of the Jordan, baths were once celebrated as resorts for health seekers. So now we have this idea that you go to a bath or a bathing house to be relieved if it's for your overall health. And then finally, we have ceremonial purification. Bathing in the Bible stands chiefly for ritual acts of purification from ceremonial uncleanliness. From contact with the dead, from contact with defiled persons or things, from contact with holy things, i.e. things devoted or under the ban. And the Hebrew of the Old Testament does not sharply distinguish between bathing and partial washing. Both are expressed as bathing, wash. All right? So they are both, whether it's partial or whether it's complete. This is both to wash your hands, your feet, your face, your whole body. And so here is where we start to get into the spiritual bathing that we talk about and that we do in Hoodoo and Conjure. Jesus talks about foot washing and says that if your feet alone are washed, you are clean. And so we have this tradition. Then. Of course, we have the idea of the mikvah and of being immersed in water to take away spiritual impurity and to make one clean again and We see that this is being done by many people, and certainly, there are built mikvahs in the Holy Land in the places where the Jews are living, but also this could be done in the stream, in any moving water, in a pool, in a stream that is fresh fed and so We have Jesus going down to the river where he finds John, and John cleanses him. But this is a tradition that already exists, meaning this isn't something new. This isn't something that John the Baptist invents. This isn't something that Jesus invents. This was already going on amongst Jewish people, which John and Jesus both were. This, of course, translates into the idea of baptism, and we see baptism enter into Catholicism, and then out of Catholicism it enters where it's done in almost a token. You see it enter into Protestantism as full immersion. So now we're really talking about spiritual bathing, except we still have this idea introduced of an intercessory. John is bathing Jesus. The priest baptizes the baby. The pastor holds you under the water to
4: baptize you. And that is quite different from the problem we're talking about, which is that you spiritually bathe
3: yourself. The idea of spiritually bathing oneself enters into everything we've talked about already. Bodily refreshment for those who are feeling oppressed, for those who are feeling weak, for those who are feeling tired. Cleanliness, in the case of those who wish to take off something that has been put on to them that has led to a physical ailment, swelling in the feet because you walked across something, etc., and spiritual cleansing. In other words, to take off something unseen, you know, you're under ill luck, but as well as spiritual cleansing to encourage something to come to you, to gather prosperity to you. All right? And all of this comes out of Scripture. All of this comes out of this. Again, as well as more distant African practice, which again influenced Judaic practice. These people all were, you know, in a kind of big area, but they had interlocking cultures. So, how does one take a spiritual bath? Well, it's an involved process, and people will give you different advisements at time of day, etc. But I'm going to cover the basic for you. The basic idea is that you have water that you have prepared with certain ingredients because they either have spiritual potency or the materia magica of them, and you into enter into the water, you say prayers, you wash yourself, you may wash yourself down to remove something, you may wash yourself up to bring in something, because remember this is not just about removal, this can also be to draw. You cleanse yourself, you leave your bath, you air dry so that the substances that are in the prepared water are on you, and you dress in clean clothing, and then you In some cases, we'll take that water and dispose of it in a ritual manner, depending on what you need to do. In other words, you want to get rid of something, you're going to throw that water away in a place such as the crossroads, etc.,
4: to remove
3: it from you. If you're trying to draw or keep something to you, you might dispose of that water into your backyard to keep it close to you. So here we see this complex issue involving bathing, and how it relates to hoodoo and conjure. And I encourage you to go out this week and study it. As always, our information comes to us for this segment of the show each and every week from Hoodoo Bible Magic, Sacred Secrets of Scriptural Sourcely by Miss McHale and myself. But also this week, I would also encourage you to pick up a copy, Hoodoo Spiritual Baths, Cleansing Conjure with Washes and Waters by Miss Aura LaForest, and read more in-depthly about spiritual bathing. Up next, we're going to be going quickly into the kitchen to talk about knotweed. Oh, yes, it's very good to tie things down. Oh, you can tie all sorts of things down with it, but probably not kangaroos.
10: There's an old Australian stockman lying, dying. And he gets himself up onto one elbow and he turns to his mates who are gathered round and he says, Watch me wallabies feed, mate. Watch me wallabies feed. They're a dangerous breed, mate. So watch me wallabies feed. All together now, tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Tie me kangaroo down, sport. Tie me kangaroo down. Keep me cockatoo cool, curl, keep me cockatoo cool Oh, don't go acting a fool, curl Just keep me cockatoo cool, all together now Tie me kangaroo down, sport, tie me kangaroo down Tie me kangaroo down, sport, tie me kangaroo down And take me koala back, Jack, take me koala back he lives somewhere out on the track, Mac. So take me, koala back. All I get the now. Tiny kangaroo down, sport. Tiny kangaroo down. Tiny kangaroo down, sport. Tiny kangaroo down. Let me, Abos, go loose, Lou. Let me, Abos, go loose. They're of no further use, Lou. So let me, Abos, go loose. All I get the now. Tiny kangaroo down, sport. Tiny kangaroo down. Time me kangaroo down, sport. Time me kangaroo down. And mind me platypus duck, Bill. Mind me platypus duck. Oh, don't let him go running a muck, Bill. Just mind me platypus duck. All together now. Time me kangaroo down, sport. Time me kangaroo down. Time me kangaroo down, sport. Time me kangaroo down. Play your didgeridoo, blue. Play your didgeridoo, uh, like keep playing till I shoot through blue. Play your didgeridoo. All together now, time, time me kangaroo, kangaroo down, sport. Time me kangaroo down. Time me kangaroo down, sport. Time me kangaroo down. Tan me hide when I'm dead, Fred. Tan me hide when I'm dead. So we tanned his hide when he died, Clyde, and that's it hanging on the shed all together now. Time me kangaroo down, Sport. Time me kangaroo down. Time me kangaroo down, Sport. Tie me kangaroo down.
4: Well,
3: that... Uh, well, I'll name it and claim it uh, this week for that, goes three-fourths, three-fourths to Nagashiva and Catherine Ironwood. They correctly identified that it is Taimi Kangaroo Downsport by Rolf, but someone, and it is in fact Rolf Harris. That was Rolf Harris with Timmy Kangaroo Downsport. Tonight, in the kitchen we're going to be talking about knotweed. Weed also known as crawl grass, not grass and ladies' thumb. Knotweed is used in spells to bind and restrict someone, to control a person's movement in some way or to symbolically tie things. It can be used to bind a lover to you to stop an enemy's luck and send them away, and to bind the influence of enemies to your children. But I am going to specifically talk about one particular use for it tonight, and those of you who heard the pontification will understand why. Knotweed can be used to remove problems and bad habits. Use something small. To symbolize your problem. For instance, a bit of the drug hurting you. And on a folded up paper upon which you have written a description of the problem or a photograph of whatever is tempting you, you will mix nutweed with soft beeswax and form it into a ball around Now, let's say this again, form it into a ball around the object as you speak aloud your desire for your problems to go away. Then you take this ball. Again, this ball has in it either a little piece of paper that you've written down the description of your problem or a picture of what's leading you astray, or a little bit of the substance that you have found yourself addicted to, or even a tiny little container of whiskey. You're going to put soft beeswax around it, and, well, where am I going to get soft beeswax? Well, you can get it off of cheese, the little tiny cheeses with the laughing cow. They are all wrapped in wax, and you can get them and make a little ball with the weed inside with it. Then you're going to take this ball to the graveyard and bury the ball in the graveyard and ask the spirits of the dead to help your problem until you return and then walk away and stay away from it. You can also take it to the grave of a beloved ancestor, someone you know would want you to do good, someone who would know you know would want to help you with a problem. To help you get over alcoholism or drug abuse or smoking or whatever it is, spending, sexual addiction, whatever you've put into this, you take the ancestor and bury it at their left side to place it under their left hand for them to hold for you, to help liberate you, to help keep you out of this.
8: Normally, you tell us to hold
3: Yes. Normally, I tell you a whole lot of spells tonight. I'm not telling you a whole lot of spells tonight. I'm talking about
4: this one in particular because you can go this week and you can go this week and find more
3: information about knotweed and the fact that it can be used to tie a lover down that it can be used to bind up an enemy, that it can be used to do all these things, tie up all these things, both positively or negatively. And that's your responsibility to go and learn that, you see. But I'm telling you this spell because of what we talked about in the pontification. And if you are a spiritual worker or if you're not a spiritual worker and you are having a problem with addiction, you need to address it. You need to address it with yourself first with your family, with a trusted counselor, whoever that may be, a a professional psychiatrist, psychologist, counselor of that nature, a minister, a priest, Apollo, whoever it is that you go to to be able to talk about these things. You're going to need some help from an organization. You need some friends who can watch your back and help you out without judgment. And then you're going to need a little bit of spiritual help as well. So please, consider the humble knotweed and a simple little spell that you can do with only three ingredients.
4: You just need knotweed, something that really is and some wax.
3: That's it. You can do that. I know you can do that, free of these chains. And please, please do. Please help yourself. Please stop. Before, for you, it is
1: the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, It is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, But it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And go to Texas Cano and don't bite the fool wet. Come on down the Dallas Street, Carl Kitty, coming through the territory in Kansas City, and Kansas City Cinema's and Cinema Chicago. No